0: Hi, I'm Mary Worden, and this is Premier Health Now on Air, COVID 19 edition, a Premier Health podcast. This is the week of February 15th, 2021. Hey guys! It's February here in Dayton, Ohio, and I want to start this episode off by saying that I hope you're staying warm out there. Our weather report is telling us to expect anywhere from zero to like 85 inches of snow, give or take a little... So needless to say, I've been checking the weather about every half hour for the last week straight. I started out checking a weather app that came built in on my phone, but then I started mixing it up and I was checking out some local news and weather stations on social media. And you might not know this about me, but I love social media. I love it. I know some people hate it and those same people are probably annoyed at my usage of hashtags, but social media is amazing. Here are a few things I love about it. It's free, and that's always in the budget, I think, right? Yeah, free. Mm-hmm. You can get really timely updates on news, weather, and information, and you can also get really timely updates on your friends and family. For example, my niece and nephew are sunning by a pool in Florida this week, so they've been rubbing that in my face with their cute pictures and their little bathing suits by the pool. And one of my friends from Texas is expecting her first little baby. You can also reconnect with people you haven't seen in a long time. Like my very first childhood friend who lived down the street and then I lost touch with her when we moved away, but then here we are decades later and we found each other on Facebook and got to catch up. If you have a smartphone, It's always accessible to you You can talk to people locally And you can talk to people from all over the world I even keep in touch with my friends from Australia Even though when I'm waking up They're going to sleep and vice versa But you know, we make it work Social media can be an awesome environment for encouragement So if you're interested in something Or if you're interested in anything I bet you there's a social media group Or that one thing With people just like you Who are out there cheering each other on Sharing pictures and stories Answering questions And even offering words of encouragement And you can tell your own story however you like. So like I said, in that lengthy list of likes about social media, you can get information all the time. Do you know that Premier Health is on social? Our Facebook is at Premier Health and our Instagram is at Premier Health Ohio. And lately we've been sharing my why, which is a series of pictures and videos about why people are getting the vaccine. We've also started sharing another series called I Miss. And that got me thinking about what is my why? And what do I miss? My why? I'm tired of being afraid all the time. What do I miss? Everything from seeing friends and family more to being able to wear lip gloss that doesn't get smeared all over the place by a mask. Those are probably fairly common answers to both questions, maybe not the lip gloss part, but the other parts. But when you really start to hear someone's story from the past year, the why and the miss can get more specific, especially when you are listening to someone who's gone through a lot physically and emotionally. Joining us again today is Premier Health's Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Mark Belcastro. Hi, Dr. Belcastro. Well,
1: hello, everyone.
0: Can you share with us your medical background?
1: My medical background was in the field of neonatology, or some people know that as the neonatal intensive care unit where I took care of premature and sick babies for about 30 years.
0: And since you are most definitely an expert in this area, can you talk to us about any updates with the vaccine regarding pregnancy and newborns?
1: Of course, any mom pregnant or breastfeeding would be very fearful of getting a vaccine without a lot of knowledge. As we know, uh, the Pfizer did have some pregnant women in their studies. Moderna uh, had less. But let me first say, if anybody remembers the H1N1 flu, which I think was around 2005-2007 timeframe, that was a year that we had a particularly bad flu season, and it was especially worse in moms that were pregnant. The immune system changes during pregnancy made them very susceptible to getting very, very sick on H1N1. And the coronavirus seems to be doing the same thing. So we know that pregnant women that develop COVID stand a a lot greater chance of being hospitalized and being very sick from COVID as opposed to if they develop the the COVID-19 disease not being pregnant. So when you think about that and the detrimental effects physically on you and your baby of being hospitalized and possibly being even placed on a ventilator or or the ECMO machine, the the side effects from the vaccine suddenly become much less. And that's why the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, the American Academy of Pediatrics, highly recommend that it be offered to women that are childbearing, women that are pregnant, and women that are lactating. Another thing to to note is that throughout COVID, throughout all of 2020 and into 2021, obviously, there have been a lot of women that have had COVID and have delivered and have and have breastfed. And there has not been one reported episode of the virus being transmitted in the breast milk to the newborn. So if the actual disease itself doesn't go through the breast milk into the newborn, there's no reason to fear that the vaccine itself would. So for all intents and purposes, that is an age that you really want to think seriously about getting the vaccine, childbearing age, and if you're pregnant or even uh, breastfeeding.
0: I know there are a lot of concerns from everyone right now, but especially this group.
1: You know, you you can't calm all of our fears because we don't have it. We don't know everything we need to know. But from from what we know about vaccines in general, there's very few vaccines that are contraindicated in pregnancy and lactation. Some of what we call live, where you actually inject the live virus into people, there are certain vaccines that Are made that way. Those are ones that we uh, shy away from during pregnancy and lactation, but none of the COVID 19 vaccines are going to have any live virus in them.
0: Let's talk about another group of high risk individuals, those who have a suppressed immune system. Would the vaccine be recommended for someone that falls into this
1: category? Uh, One of the most common treatments that suppress immune system are most of the cancer drugs and cancer treatments, they reduce your immunity. Your white count and make you more susceptible to infection. This one, this particular category is a bit personal, because since the end of summer, I've been, I've been undergoing chemotherapy for cancer, and obviously COVID comes up, and understandably, uh, I had a significant fear of getting COVID, and uh, was actually going to get my vaccine, but despite all of the safety precautions I took, actually in early December had a bout of COVID. So I had to get treated another way. So now I'm waiting. Uh, I had to get the monoclonal antibody. So now I'm waiting to get my vaccine, which I will get my vaccine. But there's there's not good evidence that that getting, there's no evidence that getting the vaccine and being immune compromised, whether from a treatment or from a primary immune disorder, that you're going to get the disease. And there's enough evidence that your body's immune response can make the necessary antibodies to protect you. So that's certainly a high-risk group, just like the pregnancy group, that needs to be pursuing the vaccine whenever their number is called. Uh, which varies from state to state, you know, different categories, age groups and things like that.
0: Dr. Castro, we're going to revisit a few of the things you mentioned in this response, and we're going to hear more of your story later in this episode. Let's stay on the topic of the vaccine. Can you talk to me about herd immunity? What is herd immunity and how can we achieve that against COVID-19?
1: Now that we're vaccinating everyone, uh, you know, we, we hear things like by, you know, June, end of June, will 80% of the, the population be vaccinated? And that's a target that we look for. And that, that sort of ties into the thing that we call herd immunity. Herd immunity is why individuals who elect not to vaccinate themselves or their children get by with it. Because everybody else is vaccinating themselves. So if they're predominant, if 80 to 90 percent of the population has immunity to a disease, those not protected are very, very unlikely to get it. But things will happen. You know, there was, you know, a decade or two ago, there was outbreaks in pertussis, which is whooping cough. And infants were getting very sick and dying from it and we know you know years back there were measles outbreaks in California. So even though there's herd immunity, those who elect not to get vaccinated still put themselves at risk, particularly if an outbreak comes up. So whether by the you know, the combination of vaccination and the number of people developing the disease, when we get to at least 80 and somewhere between 80 and 90 percent of the population having Resistance or some antibody to the coronavirus, we will have achieved herd immunity. Doesn't mean the disease doesn't go away; it's still around, uh, but that's herd immunity. The
0: next question has been discussed on previous episodes, but with things changing so frequently with what we know, I'll ask you again, just in case there are any updates. Do we know anything
1: about if we'll need to vaccinate annually? There are many experts who believe that may be the case. That The coronavirus is here to stay, so it will be important that we, just like an annual flu vaccine, this may become an annual thing for us.
0: Let's say that someone has a loved one who they have not seen in a long time to keep them safe during this pandemic, and that loved one got vaccinated. Is it now safe to visit them or to be
1: visited? You know, as we vaccinate, you know, even myself, Having come through COVID, I, you know, was, for at least in a week or two after I recovered, I was thinking, well, now I'm, pretty safe, you know, and, but I, I had to guard myself against those thoughts, knowing that, there have been reports of people getting a second infection. Uh, I didn't know exactly what my antibody response was to the virus, so I continued to be very careful let's say you have let's say you have a loved one that you want to visit and uh you've been vaccinated they've been vaccinated and uh is it safe to go visit them now like everything else with covid there's no absolutes 100% 0% you know it's safer than it was before it's probably a very low likelihood uh so you have to assess who you're visiting you know if you if you're visiting you know your grandmother or grandfather who's who's you know 89 years old and has lung problems and diabetes and heart disease do you want to take that risk if you uh you know are going to see some grandchildren you haven't seen in a long time can you go see them wear a mask and visit them you know you have to weigh sort of the emotional toll that the lack of socialization and visitation is taking on yourself and them against the odds of the disease and there may be instances where you say you know what i will be healthier if i make this visit those are the types of weights and balances you have to to put into each of these questions and obviously Reach out to experts, you know, whether it be your physician or any of the local experts in Premier, if you want to make a decision and how they might feel about that.
0: As far as the side effects from Moderna and Pfizer, does one vaccine seem to be better or worse than the other?
1: You know, as far as the, the vaccines, Moderna and Pfizer, uh, do the side effects seem worse than another? Uh, I don't know that there's any evidence of that.
0: New reports are saying not to take over-the-counter pain relievers before getting the vaccine. What are your thoughts on that, and do you have recommendations to help alleviate pain or short-term side effects someone might experience after getting the vaccine?
1: There's, again, not a lot of data. What the CDC is saying right now is that uh, if you do take something, take Tylenol. Don't take something before you go. Uh, The experts are saying there's not a lot of science behind that, but it's the best advice we can give now. So don't pre-medicate yourself with, with Tylenol. But if you do get symptoms, if they're local, you know, like a warm hot cloth on your shoulder might be the best thing. And if you can sleep through it, but if you're really, really uncomfortable, Tylenol is the best. You know, there's just a little bit of evidence that taking ibuprofen might inhibit the antibody response, but does it really make the vaccine less effective? No one knows. So if If you can stick to Tylenol, that would be your best bet.
0: It looks like Johnson & Johnson is not far from being able to provide their vaccine in addition to what we have available now. What do we need to know about their vaccine?
1: For me personally, since I have to wait uh, 90 days since I received the monoclonal antibody, I'm I'm excited about the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which is only going to be one shot. But maybe it has as much side effects with one as the Moderna or Pfizer does with the second one. So maybe I'm kidding myself. But nevertheless, if I can get if I'm gonna have those side effects and only have one shot, maybe I'll maybe I would take the one shot. You know, they don't give the numbers that Pfizer and Moderna do of the the 90%, they say 70%, but but even 70 to 80 percent, those those are good numbers. And it's probably higher protection against severe disease. The 70% is any disease, but it's probably, you know, at least 85% against getting severe disease. And that's really what we want to, to avoid.
0: With many reports of discomfort and short-term side effects after getting the vaccine,
1: is it effective if you don't have a strong reaction to it? For the lucky ones that don't have any side effects, the vaccine's just as effective. So why is that? Nobody knows, but, uh, it's just as effective.
0: We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, Dr. Castro is going to share more of his own personal pandemic story with us. We'll be right back. We know getting care comes with a little uncertainty right now, but behind these masks, you'll find unwavering dedication, compassion, and protection for you and the care we provide to you. You won't find us backing down. We won't stop. As long as you need us, we'll be here, standing strong. Because it's who we are, and care is behind everything we do. Our care lives here. Premier Health. And we're back. Dr. Castro. let's go back to your story. After everything you've been through in the last year, and I know you were taking extreme safety precautions, you still got COVID. I'm just so
1: sorry. Can you talk to us about that? I, you know, at the end of November, I told my wife, I said, I'm just going to work from home because I have, I have one more chemotherapy uh, right before Christmas to complete the first phase of my treatment. So I said, I'm just going to work from home. So I went home and the only place I went was I had an oncology visit so I went to my oncology office on a Friday, had my usual checkup with him. They do your vital signs, draw some lab, went home. And on Monday, this was on Friday, on Monday night, it's the only time I went out. And Monday night, I start developing these chills. You know, thank the Lord my wife did not, through the whole thing, she did not get COVID from, from me. Because I, I developed symptoms on Monday, and my first test was negative on Tuesday. I didn't find out I had it until Friday, because uh, I had a repeat test done on Wednesday, uh, and I was starting to get really sick on Friday. So Dr. Cologne arranged for me to go to the emergency room Friday night, that first week in December, and I got the monoclonal antibody. But between you and me, Mary, I was terrified, because I thought, my goodness, I'm on cancer chemotherapy, I'm 65, and I could die from this. I was terrified, but the monoclonal antibody, I got better, and I was able to finish. I delayed my chemo like two weeks, so I got my last chemo at the end, end of December. But uh, I know just the other night, I said to my wife, I said, I'm just so angry I got COVID. I was doing everything. People are coming to work and wearing their masks. I'm like, so I, I, it had to be somebody in the office, whether it was the nurse who took my temperature and my vitals. I know my doc never got sick. You know, the lab person who drew my, I don't know. It's all the contact. <laughs> Unless it touched a surface or something. Who knows?
0: And it seems like that's the way it goes sometimes with COVID. Even those of us who are extremely safe, sometimes it just sneaks in. How has it been getting treatments during a pandemic versus what it would be like in pre-COVID times?
1: The only difference is, obviously, you're wearing a mask. My wife always likes to be with me to support me through everything. And the first five chemos, uh, she was there, but by the last chemo in December, when COVID had escalated, she was not allowed to be there. So I had to go through my last chemotherapy without her sitting there at my side. So that was different. But the, only, the thing that made it challenging for me going through treatment were one, just the fear of COVID in this condition and being sort of out of the fight while everybody is working so hard. So I've, I've, wor- I've continued to work the whole time. I take off the days I need to take off, but not being able to be as helpful to the team. Uh, I know it's not my fault, but not being able to be as helpful to the team sometimes has been a bit discouraging because uh, you want to be in there helping, helping out doing your part, but you kind of have to take, take life as it comes. And so that's, that's what was, I was going through. So I, I made sure I did everything I needed to do to get better. Just uh, last week, I actually, two of my treatments involved being in the hospital and I had the first one last week. And fortunately with the visitation being one Visitor per person. My wife was able to be with me uh, throughout the stay, so it would it would have been really, really, really hard to do that alone. And it really makes you feel for for the people who are who are facing either a hospitalization alone because some hospitals shut down all their visitation for a while. But we do know everybody knows the loneliness and the impact of COVID on a family. I mean, we lost I lost my mom in March. She did not have COVID, but the visitation was very restricted. So I, you know, I know what that felt like. So this, this is a year that's been like no other as much emotional and sort of psychological trauma as there has been physical trauma from this disease. So it makes you stronger, but it's not fun.
0: If ever I could send a virtual hug, I would want to do it right now. And Dr. Bo Castro, you're such a team player. To say that you feel out of the fight, you are going through your own fight right now. The fact that you're still working and making the time to take interviews like this one, speaks volumes to your character and that tells me that you are still contributing very much to this fight. So what's next for you?
1: So yeah, I have one more inpatient treatment and some radiation and my light at the end of the tunnel is probably going to be mid-April. So I'm looking forward to a very good spring.
0: And Dr. Belcastro, what's one last thing you'd like to leave our listeners with?
1: My advice for everybody is... I love the fact that the numbers are dropping, but it happened over the summer and we just need, it's so easy to say, okay, it's over with, I can let my guard down, but if we can just hang on, keep the masking, the distancing and all the precautions and the carefulness you know, into the summer and see where we are, we can possibly avoid another surge, whether it be from these new strains Who knows? But I would just encourage people. Work. You know, this is what. What is it that marathoners say? That the hardest time is like mile. You know, mile like 20 through 23. You know, that's kind of where we are in this marathon. What do athletes do? Or people in endurance sports? You just you you put the next foot forward every day. You just one more step, one more step. So to me, it's one more day, one more day of doing this, one more week, one more month. Check that off, and just just stay, you know, stay with it. Don't look too far ahead. Some people call them micro goals, but uh, that would be my advice.
0: Dr. Bel Castro, thank you so much for being open enough to share your story, as well as for all of the really important updates you gave us today.
1: Thank you, Mary.
0: Everyone's why is specific to them, and we all miss something. Part of Dr. Beau Castro's why is to get back in there and join in the fight against COVID-19 and to live. So I'm curious, what do you miss? What's your why? You can get more information 24/7 at premierhealth.com/covid19. And we want you to get the information you need about COVID-19 vaccines from people you can trust. Visit our COVID-19 Vaccine Hub for up-to-date interviews with our physician leaders, fact sheets, news, and more about COVID-19 vaccines at premierhealth.com slash vaccine. This has been Premier Health Now On Air, COVID-19 edition, a Premier Health podcast. Our care
1: lives here.